informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today as we broadcast live from sunny Mitchell, South Dakota here on AOA Agriculture of America. It is Dakota Fest and we are here for the next couple of days with the program and enjoying some great weather and another great farm show here in the Corn Belt. We appreciate you joining us today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We have an exciting show uh, lined up for us here today and the next couple of days. We're going to be talking with a lot of different folks folks here on the grounds in Mitchell, South Dakota. Coming up here, we're going to talk with folks from South Dakota State University Extension here as we go through the show today. We're going to have a few different folks joining us throughout the program coming up here in segment two, three, and four to uh, chat with us about various topics that they are working on here through the summer. I know they do a lot of fantastic research at uh, SDSU Extension, so we're going to talk uh, with a few different folks coming up here as we go through the program today. Really excited to, to be out at an another farm show though and I, I tell you what farm show season summer months always a busy time of year time for uh, getting out and really just enjoying uh, rural america and that's uh, what we have here with dakota fest this week a lot of great vendors on the grounds everything from seed companies to manufacturers etc etc it is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun here for a couple of days we're going to have some great uh, educational sessions going on here as well in the reeves education building on the dakota fest grounds we'll have the congressional panel Coming up on Wednesday with South Dakota Senators John Thune, Mike Rounds, Congressman Dusty Johnson. Looking forward to that. I'll be hosting a uh, markets panel with Ross Nadwick from Van On and Company and Mike Miner from Professional Ag Marketing. That's going to be coming up here uh, on Wednesday as well. Both those uh, education sessions are back to back and. Uh, just looking forward to a, a lot of great, a uh, lot of great discussion, a lot of great insights, and uh, a lot of great camaraderie here. Uh, man, I cannot talk this morning. <laughs> uh, it, just looking for a, a lot of great fun here the next couple of days at Dakota Fest. So, thank you again for joining us here on the program today. Want to kick things off? Take a look at some of the latest uh, news headlines here for this segment. As we look at the Farm Bill, of course, that is a, a big issue. And while Washington politicians are focused on Farm Bill politics, producers are focused on their needs. SNAP work requirements, WIC spending cuts, CCC uses, payment limits, and more, all politicizing Farm Bill efforts this year. But down on the farm and ranch, it's all about the basics. I think we need to keep the, the money in there for programs like Equip, for sure. Uh, and uh, I, that's very important in Indiana, you know, whether we're building feeding pads or uh, other projects, manure storage buildings. I think all that's very important. Now, that's National Cattlemen's Beef Association Policy Vice Chair Tim Schwab, who outlined recently on NCBA's Beltway Beef Podcast, his industry's farm bill priorities. The cattle contract library and another one that i think is very good is the uh the funding for the uh, foot and mouth disease uh, bank there in nebraska now a disease safety net in schwab's view i think that is so important to keep that out of our country and and have that uh safety net and i and i think traceability is a, a very big issue that i i'm really proud to be to be part of that i think that's uh just to keep us all in business in case there is an outbreak the question now is will the money be there to maintain and improve producer safety nets and amid all the farm bill politics where will it come from well, foreign materials in beef and injection site lesions impact the food chain and seem to be an increasing issue, according to Jake Nelson, food safety coordinator at Ralph's Packing Company. He started working at Ralph's, which is located in Perkins, Oklahoma, in January of 2021. While this issue isn't new, it is becoming a more prevalent topic of conversation within the packing industry. The issue that seems to be creeping back up to us right now is the presence of lead shot, bird shot, buck shot, things that come out of a shotgun, out of a firearm. And the origins are unknown, uh, and it's hard to pinpoint that because of the just the scale and the scope of the beef industry. Uh, but we see that. We see it present. Um, it's not a regular occurrence, but it's not rare. And it's something that seems to be happening more and more. 
when I talk to colleagues across the industry, unfortunately, they're starting to see an uptick in frequency as well. And we don't know why. There's been pushes and efforts to get that message out to whomever can have influence on that, whether it's the beef production sector, whether it's the hunting community, whether it's kids out having fun. We don't know. Things happen and we see it, but we really need to stop because this is our food supply. Well, finding foreign materials in meat is a serious issue that calls for drastic action. While it's near impossible to track where this uptick in foreign materials is coming from, Nelson urges everyone to do their part in stopping the issue. The first and foremost is that it immediately is recognized as adulterated product. That has a legal definition and a legal implication. And so then we have to go and segregate that, differentiate it from that which is suitable for food, make a determination, file a report with the USDA, USDA then contacts the supplier and there's a traceability exercise that goes on. It's loss in revenue because the product can't be sold. And again, it's human health. We don't need to be eating lead shot. Now, another issue causing hassle in the packing plants is injection site lesions. Nelson said he understands the importance of animal health. However, he says proper execution. Well, that is vital. The animal health and injections are a great useful tool. The Beef Quality Assurance Program, though, needs to continue to be delivered to producers to understand the proper way to administer injections, proper method, proper timing, proper location. We can't relax on that message. We have to keep giving that message out there. Well, the best thing producers and others can do to combat this issue, according to Nelson, is to keep talking about it and make sure to follow best practices. As Nelson said, just do the right thing. Other news headlines we're watching here today for the fifth straight week. The nation's average price of gasoline increased, rising 2.5 cents from a week ago to 3.82 per gallon. The national average, that's up 29.1 cents from a month ago, but 9.6 cents per gallon lower than a year ago. Now, the national average diesel price rose 12.3 cents last week and stands at 4.27 per gallon. That's 77.3 cents lower than one year ago. Gas Buddies Patrick DeHaan says prices could climb slightly higher as we get closer to Labor Day as oil prices remain under pressure from recent OPEC Plus production cuts. Now, gasoline prices stand just over a dime away from rising back above their year-ago level, something that is possible by the closing summer holiday. Now, the, in addition, the largest refinery in the Midwest, that moved up its seasonal maintenance to several weeks earlier than expected, causing a somewhat unexpected jump at the pump in the Great Lakes. Also, USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service is seeking comments on a proposed rule to amend regulations governing its agricultural quarantine and inspection program user fees. APHIS and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Customs and Border Protection jointly administer the program, ensuring that cargo and passenger baggage entering the country is inspected for plant pests and potential sources of animal diseases that could affect U.S. agriculture, trade, and commerce. Now, foreign pests and diseases could devastate U.S. agriculture and the broader U.S. economy and the AQI program. That is highly successful at preventing such disruptions. You can go to regulations.gov to search for the proposal and comment on it. Well, coming up here from Dakota Fest the next couple of days, we're going to have conversations with Zippy Duvall, the president of the American Farm Bureau. We'll have Congressman Dusty Johnson. Uh, we're going to try to talk with Senators John through to Mike Rounds as well. But today we're going to talk with folks from South Dakota State University Extension. Peggy Schlechter with SDSU will join us next as we're back with more here on AOA right after this. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. 
but put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the the Foundation Foundation Fighting Fighting Blindness. Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, we continue with our coverage here at Dakota Fest in Mitchell, South Dakota. Beautiful, sunshiny weather. A lot of great conversations happening here during the show over the next couple of days. And today here on AOA, I wanted to highlight just some of the great things and the great work that our extension programs do across the country. And then South Dakota, of course, South Dakota State University Extension does a lot of great work that really not only impacts the state here, but also impacts nationally with a lot of their research and more. Well, joining us now, I want to put a focus on agritourism. Peggy Schlechter is with us. She is SDSU Extension Community Vitality Field Specialist. And Peggy, thank you for joining me here live at Dakota Fest today. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for asking me, Jesse. I really enjoy talking about agritourism, so I'm excited. And I know you're going to have a a busy couple of days here uh, talking agritourism. You're going to be speaking during the Women in Ag event on Thursday, which we'll, we'll get to that in a second. That in itself is a really, really great piece of Dakota Fest. But I just want to start with overall just agritourism. You know, I think we think about agritourism sometimes, and there's a lot of different elements to it that we could rope into the conversation. It could be maybe folks from our local city possibly coming out to a farmer ranch and touring. It could be foreign visitors coming over to tour. There's there's so many different aspects when it comes to agritourism across this country, isn't there, Peggy? Well, there definitely is. You know, less than 2% of Americans live on a farmer ranch anymore. And so internationally, I would imagine maybe it's even less as far as our international visitors are. And it used to be that everybody had grandpa or grandma or aunt and uncle that mm-hmm. lived on a farm. So you could always go to the farm. Well, when we get down to where less than 2% of our population lives on a farm or ranch, many people don't even know somebody that is involved in agriculture or have that opportunity to go to a farm or ranch unless there's an agritourism venue. And that isn't just people from other states or other countries, but it's people in mm-hmm. South Dakota too. Well, and, and thinking about agritourism, I mean, is it is it something that, that visitors want to see still nowadays? Like, talk about that aspect. Is it something that there is a, a great demand for? I, I hope there is, and I would have to think there is. Sure, there really is. When we, wor- we work quite a bit with our South Dakota Department of Tourism, and what happened with them is they were starting to get a lot of requests about agritourism venues in South Dakota. And we don't have a lot now, although it is growing, so it's better than it was. And they just didn't have very many places to even refer people to. Mm -hmm. And they're really working hard to spread 
tourism across the state. I mean, agriculture is our number one industry and tourism is number two. So it makes a lot of sense to combine those two and bring visitors all the way across the state to learn what is life and agriculture like? What is real life in South Dakota like? And so um, they were getting those requests. This was happening before COVID because a lot of people say, well, that's because of COVID. People wanted to get outside. Mm -hmm. But that trend was happening before COVID where they were asking about visiting agritourism venues where they were wanting to be outside and do more of that. And so COVID definitely speeded it up. Sure. But definitely there is a visitor demand. Visitors are changing a little bit too. They're kind of tired of the crowded, busy places, standing in line to get tickets for stuff, waiting mm. for things all the time. Especially if you've got kids, that's not a lot of fun to do. And so they want things where they can actually have like those family experiences mm -hmm. and be outdoors, have a family experience, maybe learn a little bit too, but in a fun way where they don't even realize they're learning. Well, and I think about this too, and not just here in South Dakota, but you know, nationwide with agritourism as a whole, um, it, it's a great way for folks who are on the consumer side to learn more about where their food comes from, et cetera, et cetera, because I know that's always... That, that's a big push, and that's one thing that, you know, myself as a farm broadcaster, we try to tell that story and help tell that story along with all of our, our farmers and ranchers just about, you know, where our food comes from, what are all these things that we do on a farm and ranch, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a big component to agritourism. It is a very big component. When you have visitors visit your farm or ranch, what a wonderful way to advocate for agriculture and share how how is this food grown? How is this fiber grown? What are some other products that you use every day that come from agriculture and you don't even know about? And it helps those people develop a relationship with a farmer and rancher and just um, see that there are people that are working hard to do the very best they can and to mm -hmm. keep the food safe and to do the things they do right. And that Agriculture isn't all just super huge corporate farms. Most farms and ranches in the United States are family owned. And so um, that's not a picture they always get when, yeah. when they listen to something. So this is a way for them to actually really kind of get to know people that are involved in agriculture and, like I said, form that relationship and ask those questions and get some honest answers. I have to think, too, it helps impact our rural communities as well, just with, with visitors coming in and some of that, you know, impact to the rural economy, et cetera, Peggy. Mm, sure. Because if you have an agritourism venue, probably you're charging those people to come in. So that increases if it were me, it would increase my income. So I've got more money to spend in my local community, but I'm also collecting taxes. Those people are gonna be in the area longer. They may need to stop in town to fill with gas. They might need to stop in town to eat. If they had a good experience where I was, they might even be looking for souvenirs and a little shopping in town. So you've got all of those things that can really help boost a rural community. Yeah. Also getting just more people in town. So many people drive by our rural communities every day. And if we can just get them to stop for a minute, um, I think that would be a real boost. And I think another benefit of it to our farm and ranch operators is it might allow a little extra income so that maybe a son or daughter can stay at home sure. and have that enterprise. Maybe a spouse doesn't have to work in town anymore and can make that money working at home. And all of that just leads to more people even living in the area and yeah. bringing more vitality to our rural communities. That's fantastic thoughts for sure. We're talking with Peggy Schlechter with South Dakota State University Extension here today. Peggy, I, I mentioned this at the uh, top of the segment as well. I know here at Dakota Fest, the Women in Ag event coming up on Thursday. That is always such a, an awesome event, spotlighting and uh, selecting the woman farmer rancher of the year. I know you're going to be speaking during that. So talk a little bit about that event and, and your role with it here this year. Sure. I'm so excited to be a part of that event. Um, there are four women that are so de deserving of being the farmer rancher of the year. Um, and so the nominees will all be there and mm -hmm. I'll be sharing information about agritourism, of course, yeah. and I'll be talking about ways to use it as an avenue to advocate for agriculture. 
Well, and as well, you mentioned you're be sharing details about agritourism. I'm, I'm sure if folks want to learn more about some of the agritourism opportunities here in South Dakota, maybe they're listening, they're not in the state. I'm sure you guys have a lot of great resources available, extension website, extension offices, et cetera. Right, Peggy? We do. Um, contact any SDSU Extension Regional Center. Um, ask for Peggy. They'll all know how to get a hold of me. And I can connect them to any resources. And I get phone calls and emails almost on a daily basis with people that are interested in maybe exploring starting an agritourism venue and love visiting with them and helping them out. And as we like to say nowadays, if you're having trouble, just Google it. And you'll figure exactly, it out, right? exactly. We'll just <laughs> pop right up there, Peggy. Before I let you go, uh, any final thoughts uh, just about agritourism in general that you want to reiterate or, or share with us here before we run out of time? Well, just that agritourism, I think, is a great opportunity for farmers and ranchers and rural communities in South Dakota. And if you happen to be here on Thursday and come, can come to the Women in Ag event. I would sure love to see you there at 1030 in the morning. Well, we appreciate it. Peggy Schlechter with South Dakota State University Extension. Thanks so much for joining us here on AOA today. And uh, we'll look forward to talking again in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Jesse. And that is uh, really great stuff. Agritourism, something uh, you think about that. It's such a big, vital role of our rural communities and our rural economy and farmers and ranchers. I, really, really cool stuff. And that's just a, a highlight here. Just talking about some of the different things they're doing in South Dakota and um very, very knowledgeable stuff. Coming up here, we're going to continue uh, catching up with folks from SDSU Extension. I know uh, here after the break, their guest is going to join us, and we're also going to talk with John McMain coming up here later in the show today. And also as a bit of a preview for the rest of the uh, week here, the next couple of days at Dakota Fest, I mentioned this earlier, we're going to talk with Zippy Duvall, the president of the American Farm Bureau. He's going to be stopping by. No doubt we're going to talk farm bill issues with Zippy and uh, might even touch on some of the latest with WOTUS and more. Uh, so looking forward to that conversation. We'll have him on tomorrow's AOA. Also on tomorrow's AOA, we're going to kick off the show right away. The plan is to have Congressman Dusty Johnson with us. And I know uh, Congressman Johnson will give us some updates on the farm bill. He was part of some of that recent farmland uh, legislation as far as limiting purchases by foreign entities, foreign ownership of farmland. So we'll look forward to uh, catching up with Congressman Dusty Johnson as well. Coming up here on tomorrow's AOA. And again, uh, some of the great events here at Dakota Fest. And we'll have that congressional panel on Wednesday. We'll have our market panel on Wednesday as well. All uh, coming up here over the next couple of days in Mitchell, South Dakota. All right, as I mentioned, coming up next, we will continue with our friends from South Dakota State University Extension. Heather Gessner will join us here next on AOA Agriculture America, broadcasting live from Dakota Fest in Mitchell, South Dakota. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. This is AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet, broadcasting live from Dakota Fest with this market update. The grains and oil seeds are mostly lower this morning, save for the soybean oil and front month lean hogs. Chicago wheat is taking the brunt of the downside at the moment. 
Now, China bought another 35 cargoes or so of soybeans last week from both Brazil and the U.S. Brazilian offers converged with U.S. offers once again, leading to a shift back to Brazilian sourcing. Chinese buyers have already bought 2 million metric tons more soybeans for October loading in Brazil than they did last year, meaning less U.S. demand during its peak export season. Now, this combines with a surge in U.S. crop ratings, particularly for soybeans, to add selling pressure in today's risk-off environment. That risk-off sentiment is pressuring not only the commodities but stock futures as well, with this morning's retail sales data adding to weakness in the equities. And even more added concerns are coming from more negative economic news out of China. The Chinese yuan felt the fresh nine-month lows versus the dollar today as it traded near 7.29 yuan to the dollar. Now, the Shanghai Composite Index fell another 1% today before recovering to close the session near unchanged. China's central bank cut its key benchmark rate another 15 basis points to 2.5% today. Responding to this week's poor economic data, China's economy is seriously in need of stimulus, but doing so during a time of monetary tightening in the U.S. and elsewhere puts downward pressure on the yuan at a time when China wants the world to see its currency as an attractive alternative to the U.S. dollar as a global currency. And apparently the decline of the ruble to 100 rubles per dollar was too much for Russian President Putin, who picked up his phone to request that Russia's central bank hike its benchmark interest rate to 12% today. That's up from 8.5% previously. While the dollar is pulling back this morning, along with crude oil, which is down roughly 2% currently. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thanks for staying with us here on AOA Agriculture of America today. Jesse Allen back with you as we're broadcasting live from Dakota Fest in Mitchell, South Dakota here over the next couple of days. And today we're uh, putting a focus on our friends at South Dakota State University Extension. They have so many great experts here, not only on the grounds this week, but just overall in general across the state of South Dakota that can touch on a wide range of subjects. And right now we want to talk a little bit more about Farm transitions, estate planning, some of those uh, challenges that are out in front of us. That's where we want to start our conversation here today on AOA in this segment. Joining us now, Heather Gessner with SDSU Extension, Extension Field Specialist, Livestock Business Management. And Heather, thanks so much for being with us on AOA today. How are you? I'm very good. Happy to be here. Well, yeah, it's... You know, we can't complain when it's a nice, beautiful, sunny day for Dakota Fest. It's not too hot today. Uh, a great uh, day, number one, for folks to kind of work their way around, see all the different booths, et cetera. Right, Heather? Yeah, the weather outside right now is beautiful. So if you're on your way, get here. Be careful. Be safe while you're driving. But there's a breeze. The sun's not too bad. So things yeah. are working right along. So It's, it's always a, a lot of fun. I really uh, enjoy being here for Dakota Fest. Let's talk a little bit about farm transitions and estate planning. And uh, again, I know that's a pretty, pretty big topic right now. It has been for the last couple of years as we've been seeing, you know, a lot of the older generations start to say, okay, hey, I want to pass this along to my son or daughter, etc. Maybe they've already been involved in the operation. There's but there's been different challenges, whether it comes to just not having a proper plan in writing, tax implications, et cetera. There's, there's a lot of different facets that sometimes people don't think about, right, Heather? Right. And that's the big thing. There's so many pieces to an estate plan and what you're looking at. 
and nobody's plan can be the same because everybody's operations, you know, I have a cow calf operation, so I must be able to do the same thing as Joe down the road. Mm -hmm. But that's not really true at all because Joe's got four kids and you got two and his are all farming and yours aren't, you know, so there's all those different components that go in it from, you know, what day do you want to retire? How old do you want to be when you retire? And then is that next generation going to take over the ownership or do you need the income as, you know, rental property and those types of things? So we really work through all of those different com conversations with people as they come mm -hmm. through the office or at our estate planning conferences and stuff across the nation. You know, I work with extension staff from everywhere from California to New York, yeah. you know, and we've all got the same issues. People are, you know, big farms, little farms, value added farms to traditional ranchers out west river south dakota so you know we're all dealing with the same stuff we've got tax consequences we've got how do we pay that next generation coming yeah. in because you know we really want to make sure that they're able to support a family and keep that livelihood going as well so well and i think you know there's been so many different you know changes to tax law for instance here over the last say 10 years you know it's this way for a couple years then it's changed again then it's back to this way then it's something different and it's just trying to keep up with that is a challenge in itself and it just it, it makes makes that transition so much harder because then what happens if you're, you're going to pass it to your son or daughter and then they have to turn around and they have a five hundred thousand dollar tax bill and right. that they didn't see coming heather yeah so that's really one of the big components is that moving target of the tax bill. We don't know what they're going to do in Washington, D.C. at any given time. So we've got to work with the tax laws that we have yep. in front of us right now and not play that wait and see game because we never know when we're going to get hit by the proverbial bus and when that comes in. So we're really looking at um, some tax law changes that are in the works right now. We've got a big federal estate tax law sunset coming up in 2025, and it's a revision of the tax, you know, the the minimum estate tax loss so mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that that would start to affect especially given the increase in uh, property values and things lately so you know as property values go up we see that tax law and that tax base really changes and puts some of those estate planning things forefront for our farmers and ranchers. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing to kind of watch for. You know, something we don't want to think about either, but has happened is if someone passes away unexpectedly and there's not a plan set up in place, that's another issue as well. Then you think about the the quote unquote death tax could come into play. Right. There's so the moral of the story is have a plan in place now, be in communication with folks you work with in case you need to change something, but have that, that main plan in place before it's too late. Right. Yeah. Even if you get the basics and have your will updated and that's all put together, you've got some power of attorney components put together and healthcare directives, you know, some of those are the, the first start starting yeah. spots so that you can get your feet wet in the whole planning process and find an attorney you like and those things to start putting things together and then the bigger your operation is or the more complicated it gets with what your plans want to be then you can start looking at business entities and trusts and how we're going to make those combine and work to make that transition but first things first let's get started with the conversation and figure out who's all involved and who needs to know so that we can avoid death tax issues, estate taxes, inheritance taxes, mm -hmm. depending on which state you're in. Um, you know, and those all vary state to state. Yeah, they do vary state to state. Well, I know that you and the team and the folks at SDSU Extension, you, you have a lot of great resources available when it comes to estate planning and farm transitions. And I know you mentioned working on various, you know, seminars, webinars, et cetera. I'm sure folks contact a, an SDSU Extension office, go online, a lot of great ways to get in touch and get more information, isn't there? Yeah, yes. All of our events that are coming up are on our events tab on the SDSU Extension webpage. So all five locations that I'm going to hit this winter for South Dakota are there. Mm -hmm. My colleagues across the nation, they've got the same thing going on for their universities too. Yeah. So reach out to yeah, your local out. extension office yep. as well yep. if you have questions about farm transitions and estate planning. We're talking with Heather Gessner from SDSU Extension here on AOA today. And Heather, you mentioned you're a cattle producer. I know calf sales coming up. 
up and then thinking about just, uh, you know, managing these cattle markets right now. It's been uh, quite a wild ride here the last uh, last couple of months, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been kind of fun if you've got cows ready to sell or calves that you're looking at putting through the feedlot or even just taking them as wean calves. Uh, when markets are good, you know, everybody's kind of got a smile on their face. So <laughs> what we really need to be looking at now is how do we capitalize on all of that positivity in the market right now so that if for some reason we would have a downward swing or something, how can we protect those high prices that we're seeing that are available, but leave ourselves open to some of that upside potential. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're looking at the livestock risk protection insurance. If you've got enough livestock, maybe you're looking at the options market and just doing some price comparison between the two different choices for you to say, which one's going to cost me the least amount of money to put that insurance product behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing people tell me is I don't like to buy that insurance stuff. It never pays out for me. Well, I guess, you know, the take home message is that if the insurance didn't pay out for you, prices continued to go high and you didn't need the insurance. So it's kind of like buying car insurance. You hope you never use it after exactly. you buy it. So that's, you know, this is kind of the same thing. The only time you're livestock risk protection insurance is going to pay for is if prices crash. Yeah. And we don't like to see that either. And the thing is, too, if you think about it, is that if prices go higher, well, you're, you know, you might have to pay a little bit of that premium, obviously. But at the end of the day, you're still making just the same amount or more money potentially yeah. once you, you know, make that if you make a higher sale. So it's it's all about risk management, right? It's risk management. Yeah. And depending on where you are in the production game, you know, what your financial situation is, maybe you're willing to take that self-insuring option and not doing any of the forward considerations that we're talking about. Maybe if you're a little bit leveraged and you want to make sure that you've got money coming in, this is something that you look at. Very, very true. Well, and I think about, you know, you alluded to it. It's been quite an interesting ride. I mean, I've seen some of the sale barn totals up here the last couple of months. I mean, when you're seeing, you know, when you're seeing threes on the board, right. I mean, that's uh, that's a very, uh, very hot market. And it seems like a lot of northern sale barns have been a bit higher priced than some of the southern activity that we've seen. Yeah, we're, you know, we're seeing other guys get paid for the quality of the calves that they're producing up here mm -hmm. and the larger lot sizes that they're able to put together. Yeah. You know, it's a very uniform set of calves that come through um, and and the buyers are willing to pay our guys for yeah. that so that they can have a big set of cattle that are all have all been treated the same way the similar genetics they're not mixing and matching a lot in their pens so yeah it's nice that some of our producers get to see some of that benefit back and forth um, for the great work that they do all all their career not just you know every season couldn't agree more i know as well before we run out of time uh forage deadline coming up in november i believe can you talk about that a little bit yeah so you know Drought hits us up here in the Northern Plains quite often. You know, we started pretty dry this spring. November 1, if you're looking at that livestock forage um, protection insurance product, that's the, the time frame for that. And then you're, you know, talk to your local insurance agent on the best months for your area to cover so that you can take advantage of some of that price protection and some of that risk protection there. You know, and again, you hope you don't use it, but if you do need it, hopefully it helps pay for some of the hay that you need to get you through some dry months or heavy win heavy snow winters and those types of things. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's, it's again, like we said, it's risk management. It is there if you absolutely need it, and that's the whole point. Uh, Heather, I, I really appreciate the time, and thank you for stopping by with us here today on AOA and uh, joining us at Dakota Fest. Uh, Really enjoyed the conversation, so thanks for being here today. You bet. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And I know coming up here next, we're going to talk with uh, one of Heather's colleagues as well. John McMain's going to join us here on AOA, and we're going to catch up with him and talk about some other issues that uh, is going on here in South Dakota and things and research that they are working on. So looking forward to that coming up here in segment four. Again, we are broadcasting live from Dakota Fest here the next couple of days in sunny Mitchell, South Dakota. And we will be back with more here on AOA as we continue our live broadcast on the way right after the break.
As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Mariana Iden, state reporter for the Minnesota FFA Association, about volunteering at the CHS Miracle of Birth Center and the benefits of being an FFA member. The CHS Miracle of Birth Center is one of the most popular attractions at the Minnesota State Fair. What can visitors expect to see and experience? The Miracle of Birth Center features a lot of different livestock, so you can experience dairy cattle, beef cattle, swine, sheep, goats, and watch these animals give birth live. We have vet students from the University of Minnesota, FFA member volunteers, and certified veterinarians to oversee the birthing process, make sure that everything is going well, as well as answer any questions that the public may have and really just give them the true farm experience. Mariana, what life lessons do FFA members learn by volunteering at the CHS Miracle of Birth Center and exhibiting at fairs nationwide? The chores and the care of those animals is really your responsibility. So volunteers have to get up early in the morning, make sure that they're doing chores, stay late, take care of everything, oversee the birthing process, make sure that it's going good. And the same goes for exhibiting at any fair nationwide. It really teaches you work ethic, responsibility, timeliness, making sure that you're staying on schedule. How does FFA help prepare the next generation of ag leaders? The connections that I personally, as well as many other members have made, is just incredible. I have had some of the best mentors in careers that I'm interested in going into, also experiencing careers that I'm not really interested, but just a good experience. FFA really opens the door to whatever you want to do and just hands you the key to unlock anything you want. Well, we've been speaking today with Mariana Iden, state reporter for the Minnesota FFA Association. Mariana, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bear Group. Always reserved. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Foreclosure protection services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, call foreclosure protection services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. Call foreclosure protection services now at 800 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701.
information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we continue our coverage here from Dakota Fest in Mitchell, South Dakota on AOA today. And we are going to turn the conversation now over to conservation, water quality, etc. Joining us here with SDSU Extension, water management engineer John McMain is with us on AOA today. John, thanks for uh, being on Agriculture of America. Appreciate the time. Hey, thanks, Jesse. It's always great to, to have conversations about this stuff. Well, obviously, conservation and uh, you know, stewardship of the land and water quality, these are all things that ha have been a part of the conversation in agriculture for a long time, but also things that, you know, the last, say, 5, 10, 15 years have have really been more, I feel like they've been more top of mind. We've seen different states. I think of like Iowa's had their nutrient reduction strategy program and et cetera, et cetera. I know you guys do a lot of great work at SDSU Extension. I mean, just thinking about, you know, water quality, water quantity, I know that can be a bit of a challenge, right, John? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think the biggest examples in 2019 when you saw record amounts of rainfall and flooding, but when you look at the field scale, I mean, this is a challenge that farmers have faced for years, right? And everyone knows it's you either have too much or not enough um, water, and so it's always a challenge. Now, I look at to get a macro picture of um, kind of how big of an issue water is. I've looked at crop insurance claims for the last 30 years in four mm -hmm. eastern South Dakota counties. And, and, and so four counties, 30 years, that's 120 county years. And out of those 120 county years, between 89 and 100 for corn and soybeans have been both too much and not enough water in the same county in the same year. So you're dealing with these extremes locally within a short time frame, which makes it really tough. That is fascinating to think about that, that out of all of that, those years of research, it always ends up being too much or not enough water. I, I just find that fascinating to think about that being the case. But, you know, you think about it, we have those years where it'll just pour down rain. We'll get three, four, five inches in one shot. And then right. the next thing, we, we don't have a drop of rain for three months. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. It, it's amazing to think about that. Yeah. Wet springs and dry summers. And I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's a common pattern, but it just kind of, it, it came really clear when I looked at that crop insurance data. What are some things when it comes to, you know, expanding upon that and, and thinking about, okay, we have too much or not enough? I mean, obviously, just managing water, you know, we can do, we think about irrigation. I know folks in Nebraska, for say, have a lot of irrigated cropland, but right. not everyone you know, is set up necessarily to have irrigation. So, I mean, what are some different things we can do? What are some conservation steps we can take to help manage our water better? I mean, what, what are some things you you could think about that you'd share in that respect? Yeah, great question, Jesse. And really, it comes down to being efficient with our water use. So we can't control how much comes down from the atmosphere. So we got to make the most of what we get. And that starts at the soil surface. So if, if water's running off the soil surface instead of going into the ground, then that's an, that's an opportunity lost, right? Because that water yeah. could go toward biomass instead of just running off the surface. In addition, when you get runoff, you're more likely to get erosion. You're more likely to get loss of um, your fertilizer, right, if it's not incorporated, manure if it's not incorporated. And so now you have a situation where you're, you're losing water, and you're losing the soil that you need to grow, and you're losing any nutrients that would be on top of the soil surface. So that's step one, is get it into the ground, and you can do that with improving soil structure through things like reduced tillage, cover crops, living root, really anything to, to make sure that water goes down into the ground. Mm -hmm. Once it's in the ground, well, then you wanna increase your water holding capacity to get you through those couple weeks stints that you don't have enough rain. Um, but then on the flip side, when it's too wet, you got to look at ways that we can keep that water moving through the soil. So that's going to be increasing percolation. A lot of that, again, comes back to soil structures. So whatever we can do to improve that soil structure, that goes a long way to manage both extremes, both ends of the spectrum. Well, and you, you bring up, you know, things like reduced tillage. And I, I know some folks have gone to even more of a, a no-till type environment altogether right. to try and help out with some of their soil management, John. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I know there's situations where it's challenging to do no-till, especially if you're working with manure and trying to get that incorporated. But we've looked at no-till compared to conventional till. And from a, a water conservation perspective, we find that you can save, on average, 10% more in a given year. The, the years that we looked at, which are relatively dry years, you're saving 10% more soil moisture in the ground with the no-till compared to the conventional till. Well, you know, and I think about this too, as far as uh, I can think about it, any, any you know, given year. Uh, and once again, thank you for joining us here on this episode of Agriculture of America AOA and had a, a few technical difficulties there. We do apologize about that. Uh, live show sometimes on the go in uh, in rural areas. Well, sometimes uh, internet connectivity doesn't want to be your best friend. I think maybe that also highlights a need for rural broadband expansion across much of rural America, but that's a topic that I could get into in more detail on another day as we don't have much time left in today's program. But again, thank you for tuning in. We apologize. Uh, we lost the last bit of our conversation there with John McMain from South Dakota State University Extension talking conservation, water quality, land management, and more. But he has a lot of great research and resources available. You can, uh, as he told me, Google him and or uh, check out the SDSU Extension website or contact uh, SDSU Extension if you have questions for him or contact your local Extension office. That was the highlight of today's show is really talking about the fine folks that work at various Extension programs across this country. Very smart individuals. They have a lot of great knowledge and experience they can share on a wide range of topics that could impact your operation. So something to think about there. If you do not have regular contact with the folks at your extension offices, I think you should do so. I'm a, I'm a big advocate for the work that folks do with various extension uh, or university extension across the country, including SDSU. We're out of time here for AOA today. Coming up on the next episode, we'll talk with South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson. We'll also talk with the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall, in attendance here at Dakota Fest this week. That and more coming up on the next. AOA. Thanks for joining us here on Agriculture of America. I'm Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.